We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McCagney, and this is my co-host, Mario Puig. We are presented by our good friends over at WinBet. We are getting into week six of the NFL season, so we're, we're, we're getting finally to, to the bye weeks. Um, we're, you know, that means we're a decent chunk into the season. We can start drawing some conclusions about how things have gone to this point and how uh, they are going to go moving forward. A lot to get to here, Mario. Um, any any updates on on, uh, on how things are going with you over the, over the last week since we uh, last chatted? Uh, nothing really new. I'm just seeing this thing. John Clayton tweeted out, got the final word. Directv can't restore my 12 years of recordings. Uh, we're trying to figure out what that means. Like, did he have just 12 years of any show and no show in particular? Just kind of like his his favorite programs or. 12 years of himself being interviewed on ESPN. I don't know which it is. I mean, I, I kind of hope it's the second one, but not in the loss sense that that would be actually pretty sad if it was all of the, all of those, all those cool uh, John Clayton interviews over the years, just gone, never existed. I mean, yeah, Clayton will always uh, have my admiration for the, uh, this is sports center commercial where um, he, he finishes up something and then unclips what what appears to be the the raunchiest mullet rat tail uh, known to man. Jumps onto his bed and starts just eating chow mein out of the out of the uh, Chinese food box. He says, "Mom, I'm done with this segment." I think that that will endear me to him forever. So he can even make a cloud of himself online in the year 2021. And wasn't I wasn't he uh, wasn't he listening to Slayer or something too? Yeah, he had yeah, he had a Slayer shirt on. <laughs> he oh, was okay. headbanging. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean that's pretty much me, but uh, without the hair, and thankfully not on real TV. Just just this podcast. <laughs> uh, but either way, you know, you, you feel bad for anyone who who loses uh, twelve years worth of Matlock or um, Columbo or whatever the heck it is that that uh, he was. Firing up. Maybe I'm talking about my my own father's DVR. Uh, it's hard hard to keep it straight at, at this point. But uh, either way, we got a lot to get to. Uh, why don't we kick things off, Mario? We got a Thursday night game, an interesting one, one that I can't quite figure out. But I get I'm getting the sense that you have a pretty strong sense on the on this Philadelphia Eagles team. They are playing host to the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who obviously took care of business. Last week against the Dolphins, the Eagles came off, you know, I, I thought one of the more surprising results of last week. Uh, maybe we need to start reassessing the, the Panthers, but we'll get to that. Either way, the Eagles were able to come away with the victory in Carolina, uh, but the Eagles still uh, anywhere between six and a half and seven point dogs at home this evening. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I might not be the most credible on this game because I'm probably way lower on the Eagles than most people. So it's possible that I'm just kind of wrong to feel that way. And I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to, it's tough to get any sort of like final beat on this team because there are points where they look so bad. Like I guess the Cowboys was maybe the low point and maybe parts, I guess like the first 85% of the game against the Panthers was pretty brutal too. But then they got the games against like the Chiefs, 
maybe it was just their terrible defense, but Hertz was pretty good in that one. Um, you know, the receivers have flashed a little bit here and there. The tight ends have been getting going lately. The defense has a bit of a pass rush at least. So they're, they're not terrible exactly, but the, the Jalen Hurts offense just does not look real to me. And mm-hmm. I think if things had gone a little bit differently against the Panthers, like namely if Sam Darnold had played better, if they're the, you know, if the offensive line had helped him out more, if they had gotten better results, uh, gotten more points on the board, instead of the, the Carolina defense just kind of getting gassed over the course of the three quarters and, and Jalen Hurts getting two rushing touchdowns late, it might have just been a game where it ends a little quicker. Hurts never scores either of those touchdowns. And the conversation around him is is one that's much more, you know, concerned and impatient than what there is now. Because generally, like in fantasy football world, everyone's just like, hey, man, uh, Jalen Hurts is awesome. He's got all these fantasy points. This is great. And it's working out great for the fantasy owners, certainly. But I feel like there's just kind of a point where this is all going to diminish and not even really diminish. I feel like it's going to kind of like fall off a cliff. And uh, it, I feel like it almost happened last week. I guess uh, – as far as this game goes, though, it, it would be kind of surprising, I guess, if he fell apart against this Tampa Bay pass defense. Maybe they work a little bit better in the second week with Ross Cockrell and Richard Sherman playing together. But there's a reason Sherman was a free agent, and it wasn't just the off-the-field thing. He was pretty bad for a couple of years now. So uh, this Tampa Bay defense looks pretty bad. And uh, you know, even if Hurts falls off at some point, it might be tough to do it here. So with that in mind, and then also that there's the lingering storylines, a couple uh, to throw out there to you for fantasy purposes. Uh, Dallas Goddard obviously gets the positive COVID test this week. He's vaccinated. Um, But do we know anything as as far as, you know, his status for Thursday night is concerned? Sorry, I don't. I guess we just got to, you know, check on that close to game time. The the protocols, I I guess I should have read up on, but I don't actually know how they work. I kind of just uh, react to the news, basically. Yeah, he'll need to produce, I believe, a pair of negative results uh, in order to play um, with his vaccination status is, is my understanding. Um, but I don't know if, he, if he's gotten those results just yet. And then yeah. uh, Levante David's out. Um, so so that, that further kind of uh, adds a sting to, to that Buccaneers defense. Um, do you think like, a, you know, someone like a Kenny Gainwell or, or you know, something out of this uh, Eagles backfield could, could get going in a way that, was kind of non-negotiable last season. And, and obviously in week one against the Cowboys, the, the run defense in particular looked really good for, for the Bucks. Yeah. I still would imagine it's going to be really difficult for Philadelphia to run on Tampa Bay. David being out hurts, but it might all, it all I, I, I don't want to say he would have definitely been on the tight ends, but there's a pretty good chance that he would have seen a lot of be it Goddard or Ertz. So Maybe if Goddard's in, Devante, uh, Levante David being out probably helps him, probably helps Ertz. Could help Gainwell. Um, I think Devin White's, uh, Devin White's obviously a really fast linebacker, but I don't think he's known for being like the most disciplined with his gaps or his coverages. So I don't want to say Gainwell can't do anything against him, but White is so fast he can kind of you know blow his assignment and still make the play because he's just so freakishly fast. But um Gainwell kind of he, he lost so much of the pass catching work to Sanders last week and I don't know like a that, that was probably ill-advised even if Sanders could do more pass catching than he's done I don't understand going entirely toward him like they did early on especially when Gainwell is so convincing as a pass catcher so um since it didn't work maybe they won't do that again maybe they'll go kind of like they were the first month back to Gainwell as the pass catching guy if so, I, I like him enough, but I, I guess I feel like Ertz and, and Goddard are maybe a little better bets just because Vita Vea is just such a wrecker in, in the entire front seven on him, in himself, basically. Yeah, no, yeah. We've seen Vea time and time again just completely collapse pockets. Um, you know, Hertz, his mobility might be able to, to you know, help some of that impact that, that Vea is in some of that chaos that Vea is causing um, up the middle. And then uh, just kind of touching on on or checking in really on on these Bucks guys. How are you approaching this offense? Maybe from like a, a DFS perspective for this evening. I don't really know how you narrow it down between the Buccaneers receivers. Godwin plays a different position generally than Evans and, and Antonio Brown do, but the, the Buccaneers can kind of take game plan liberties to sort of get one area of the field involved more than another, and you know they kind of have reason to show 
different looks throughout the season so that when the playoffs arrive, they can kind of su- surprise teams and don't have too much consistent tape to, to time everything based off of. So any one of the three can go off. It can have a little bit to do with just what they feel like doing. And there's no way for us to know. I would say matchup wise, Chris Godwin has the easiest one of the receivers because um, not that Avante Maddox is bad, but he is something like five, nine, one eighty or something like that. And Godwin is built like an outside receiver, even though he plays the slot, be like six one, two fifteen, something like that. So he's pretty big, definitely fast. And uh, outside Darius Slay, Steven Nelson are a bit better, but not in a way that actually matters for receivers like Evans and Brown. It's like if they if they want to get those to the ball, they can definitely do it. Um, but in terms of like the easiest one to get it to, it might be Godwin. Okay, so the, this week the the roulette wheel lands on Chris Godwin because you know we, we've seen Antonio Brown week, we, we've seen Mike Evans week, and so we've seen Gronk week even. So I mean, it, it probably really be two of them. It's mm-hmm. it's like two of them in every game. It's it's not going to be easy to guess which one, but uh, if you guess right, it it could be you know a big box score in, in a game like this, especially if the Buccaneers keep playing so poorly in pass defense. Yeah, that that has been one of the one of the surprising uh, details uh, from this season, at least thus far. All right, let's go on over to London. We got Dolphins Jags. We're again ambassadors of the sport across overseas. You know, putting our best foot forward. Two proud franchises, especially one of them. Jaguars. We're making the world like us again. See, I know. And what better way that, than than uh, Urban Meyer? Um, anywho. What's going on in the, in this game? I can't for the life of me figure this one out. Like I, I think that it it usually just makes sense to bet against the Jags, but like the Dolphins are really making me like test that theory. The Dolphins are pretty brutal. Um, I think it's safe to say it's not going to work out for Brian Flores there. This little thing, whatever it's been, it, it wasn't a great idea. They've got. Good players around, you know, scattered here and there, but not in any way that builds to anything. So in a game like this, you know, maybe maybe it's enough to kind of run away with it just on the basis of how bad the Jaguars are. Because the Jaguars, I mean, they might have a couple good players, but it's basically, you know, James Robinson, uh, Trevor Lawrence, m- maybe a couple of their offensive linemen. There's just not much going on there, whereas at least the Dolphins, they have, you know, the two corners. They've got a handful of receivers that I think can capitalize a, against this Jaguars defense, at least. So um, even as someone who I, I love Trevor Lawrence and I think eventually he can kind of transcend the situation. I think Jacoby Brissett's awful on the other side, but the Jags are just so bad in, in almost every respect. It's like James, it's James Robinson and Trevor Lawrence versus uh, whatever the Dolphins can scrape together. And I don't know, I guess I'd pick the, the Dolphins to cover fully because Zayvon Howard, Byron Jones, especially Howard, probably going to get an interception here. Uh, I don't know if the Jags can do any such thing to Brissett, who, even though he's really bad, um, he at least is not especially risky. He, does, he, does, he doesn't get uh, reckless with the ball all that much. That's true. That's true. Um, but when it comes to Brissett, um, obviously last week, uh tweaks the hamstring it feels like that it's a bit of a thin ice uh situation you know like that you know it's it's one thing to have Brissett out there but then it, it's another to have a you know a 70 percent uh Brissett yeah. I, you know I'll I'll totally put my hand up I did not know who Reed Sinnett was um Me when neither. they handed him during the broadcast I had never heard of that guy and um was kind of flabbergasted but I really started to question some things I figured I would have ever have at least heard of every quarterback on on every every NFL team but uh, that was not the case yeah I don't know who that is I kind of struggle to imagine that he's much worse than Brissett so (laughs) if they put Brissett out there and it turns out he's you know can't actually play because of the injury then I don't know if it changes that much but yeah I don't know I guess it, it could kind of be like the you know, the, the Jets, Falcons, of course, it's like the, the Falcons look so bad, the Jets just beat the Titans. When you're a certain level of bad, and maybe the Dolphins are among this group, it's like you could just blow it against anybody, and maybe that happens here. But um, it, it seems like whoever wins this won't win it from having done so well for themselves. It, it's, it's probably going to have something to do with the other team uh, just racing, outracing them to the bottom. Yeah, the, the 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 team that ends up with the win simply just didn't lose this game. 
so let, let's go ahead, wash our hands of that one. And let's get on over uh, some more AFC South flavor. This one drawing a lot of interest in Survivor this week, actually. We got the Indianapolis Colts uh, coming off a, you know, a, an impressive game against Baltimore, but one, of course, in which they, they blew a lead and lost. But they're playing host to a Texans team that actually showed, you know, some fight. It, it feels like the Texans might be capable of showing fight once a month. Maybe that's just their quota. Um, they, they obviously did that against the Jags in the opener and then were completely pummeled the, the rest of September. And then they come out last week and, and really take the Patriots um, to the mat for, for the most part, played a really competitive game with, again, a, a group of receivers who I also kind of had to question my, myself as far as I've not heard of some of these guys or didn't know that they were still in the league, let alone playing on the Texans. I was happy to see Chris Moore, of course, doing well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that guy that guy was doing that stuff all the time at Cincinnati and just disappears for five years in the NFL. I thought it was I thought it was hallucinating or something when I opened up that box score. I was like, wait, am I looking at a I feel like I'm playing college football DFS and like uh I've got a Chris Moore um Zach Lasky lineup that I'm sweating out. <laughs> um anyway, that was that was crazy and, and on some level I am a truther for more, but I have to be realistic you know as much as i can be anyway and i was like no he he played like five years and he did nothing including with the ravens when they had like seth roberts ahead of him for, for more as far as sorry i don't know if my, my connection dropped for yeah mine more. went out a little bit might have been me sorry all good all good uh all's well that ends well um anyway we're back um but yeah chris moore obviously pretty invisible tenure uh, during his time with the Ravens, especially in a time where they didn't really have particularly good receivers that were keeping him off the field. He's good on special teams, but again, that, that's not really helpful for us for fantasy. Anywho, when it comes to this game and you look at the Indianapolis side of things, you look at, the, you know, Wentz putting up a lot of uh, yards last week. Jonathan Taylor, obviously the impressive touchdown early on in that game was ripping off some pretty big runs on that, on that Ravens defense. I don't think the Ravens defense is nearly as good as has been in recent years, but either way, I thought it was an impressive offensive performance for the most part for Indianapolis. So do you think that that, that type of showing is one that they can kind of carry over, uh, not, not necessarily for the rest of the season, but certainly into a game against a, a Texans team that, that certainly is a cut below talent wise. Maybe um, like you said, though, the Texans have played pretty tough, even when they're getting beat, they seem to keep their dignity intact and, the Colts have been a team that have shed their dignity at quite a few points this year, and so I don't want to really put it past them to blow this somehow, especially on a you know slightly shortened week. So I I look at that Ravens game, and don't get me wrong, I didn't see any of that coming. It's not like I can can claim that I that I should be considered right about this just on the basis of being right before because I, I was wrong before, but I'm still saying. I don't think the Colts played very well on offense. I think the Ravens defense is really bad. Uh, Taylor's long touchdown speaks for itself. That's just what happens when someone is fast and as strong as him gets, you know, put in the scenario of uh, run past these two guys who are much smaller and slower than you. Um, but it wasn't exactly, I don't, I don't trust them to rearrange that same scenario going forward. It, it's, it's like Taylor's great, but that was kind of just a fluky screw up that added a lot of yards after the catch uh, yardage to, Carson Wentz box score. And then the other big play that juiced his numbers was that long Michael Pittman touchdown, which I mean, Pittman gets credit for making that catch, but Wentz doesn't get credit in my opinion for making that throw. It should have been intercepted. Uh, the touchdown shouldn't have happened against a competent defense. So um, I still think Wentz, while it was the best he's looked all year, still was basically lucky. And um, I, I don't trust them at all. So uh, I do trust Taylor, obviously to whatever extent they give him the ball. I think, He'll do well with it, but um, it was good to see the Colts lose. I think they deserve to lose. I'm glad they lost that Colts, uh, the Colts Ravens game. Um, you shouldn't be giving guys. It's it's arrogant to give guys like Marlon Mack a bunch of touches uh, in a game like that because, like, do you really think that had nothing to do with the margin of your loss? Like, do do you want to? Do you really go against an opponent like the Ravens on the road, heavy road uh, underdog, and, and say like we can beat you with our backups? Like, no, you can't. You didn't. That's you deserve this. Yeah, that, that's um, that's arrogance you see from like Dan. So, 
John's disconnected. Anyway, sorry, folks, um, about about that technical difficulty. Um, <laughs> any closing thoughts on Colts Texans before we keep it rolling? Um, uh, Davis Mills, I don't know what to make of that guy. I mean, I, I, I was shocked by that game last week. I think the way he kind of couldn't keep it going over the whole game bodes poorly. Kind of, kind of feels like they just sort of blindsided the Patriots a bit and then the Patriots caught up to it. But, um, he definitely was pretty convincing, at least in the first half or so of that game. Yeah. All right. So yeah, not nothing there. So bottom line, do you trust Indianapolis with 10 points? I'm going to guess no. No, not ten points. Maybe like four and a half or something. There, there we have it. Um, all right, let's keep it rolling. Um, we got Packers, Bears, divisional matchup. Packers lucky to make it out of a lot, make it out alive of Sunday's game against yeah. the Bengals. That was a a very very wild finishing sequence. I, I had actually. I took a nap on Sunday afternoon and woke up for like that last hour of, of the early game action and coming to to see the um, see that the missed field goal festival going on in Cincinnati was was very jarring. I felt like Mr. Krabs with, with the, like the spinning uh, gif uh, dur- during that sequence. Oh, yeah, that, that was a pretty weird game. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to really add about it I, I think it was a lot of stuff that we already knew kind of just happening um if if there's anything to take away i guess it's just uh you know another 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 uh helmet sticker for jamar chase like he's looking pretty convincing uh, that one throw was kind of goofy it was like joe burrow threw like a changeup that threw off darnell <laughs> savage um I don't, I don't know what to call that throw exactly but uh chase chase caught it um he's made plays I'm not even that big of a target workload, so they might want to th- think about getting him some more targets just to see what happens. But um, otherwise, I wish the I wish the Bengals would start getting T. Higgins going downfield. Like they're they're just using him on like five yard curl routes every single play this year. I, I don't understand. It's it's the opposite of last year when everything was working so well with him. Okay, so uh, I guess we we can just since we're already down this path a little bit, we'll, we'll get back to Packers Bears. Let's just. Oh, I'm sorry. I I missed the the lead there. It's okay. We'll Um, uh, we'll pivot. Lions-Bengals. So, (laughs) Bengals three-point favorites on the road. Um, Yeah, Lions pretty bad. Uh, I worry about even Swift. Not in the sense of like that I would consider benching him in season long because I definitely wouldn't. But Logan Wilson's having a really good year at linebacker. He's specifically really good in coverage. It'll be interesting to see if he can be a problem for this Detroit Lions offense that's just dependent basically on uh, Swift and Hawkinson in the middle of the field. I'm not sure that play is going to be there. And Goff uh, can melt down over over very little things, and this might be a spot where he looks pretty bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, that I just I I'm of the opinion that the Lions will continue to find uh, new and interesting ways to to lose football games, and each one uh, maybe more heartbreaking than the last. Um, as far as the Bengals are concerned, you just mentioned T. Higgins, of course, but looking at the, at that Bengals backfield, uh, your, your thoughts on on Mixon? I, I think Samaj Piran m- might be out this week, so that that could elevate a, a guy like Chris Evans upwards on the depth chart. And if Mixon isn't one hundred percent, then you know that that could put him under the deep deep radar, maybe for DFS. I don't know. What say you? <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of skeptical of Chris Evans. I can't really take him seriously as a prospect. He's I just kind of have a block, a, a mental block ahead of uh, blocking the ability to take a guy like him seriously. I don't see him. So if he's the backup and he's the only backup, then I guess I expect Mixon to have a pretty big game, both in terms of workload and, and the uh, the output. All right. That, that stands to reason. And obviously going up against the Lions – could you know that that's uh, definitely a matchup that you want to target? Um, okay, let's circle back. Packers, <laughs> Bears, Packers, yeah, four and a half point favorites on the road going up against this Bears team that you know kind of bowed up last week and, and took it to the Raiders, I thought, in a, in a fairly convincing fashion. Obviously, the Raiders are, are maybe slipping away from, from what what they few issues after the first three weeks of, of the season, and uh, yeah, some other things going on. In Vegas as well, but either way, um, the, we've seen some different types of performances from the Bears under Fields. Obviously, a couple weeks ago against the, the Browns, it was 
putrid against the Lions. It was pretty good, but again, it was against the Lions. And then last week, kind of like somewhere in the middle, like it, it looked like a, a offense that could have some success um, against real NFL teams, but it didn't look particularly great either necessarily. So um, how did the Bears uh, move the ball this week against uh, the Packers? And I, I want to start it off with, with Fields and, and like the, the Robinson-Mooney connections before moving on to, to that backfield. So I guess we got to check on those receivers to see what kind of shape they're all in. But if they're all playing, it's it's at once um, it's a spot that could go wrong for Fields just due to him being a rookie and the offensive line being the way that it is. But if he can kind of keep it together, this Packers defense doesn't have a whole lot going for it. I mean, I guess it's just like Kenny Clark, uh, Preston Smith, Gary, maybe the safeties. But this is a pretty bad defense, being as beat up as it is. So Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert both got a lot of work last week. And not that Herbert was great or anything, but I thought he was pretty good. And he was, he was a really good college player. So uh, if he keeps getting reps, that's pretty interesting. I think he could be a pretty good player. And uh, if the Bears can get that ground game going, kind of keep Fields' uh, passing reps on, on sort of favorable downs and distances and, and keeping the, the defense a little bit um, you know, keep them from just teeing off in the pass rush, basically. I can imagine a scenario where, where Fields keeps it together and kind of, you know, I don't really see a, a scenario for big volume exactly, but I could imagine efficient numbers in, in a game that uh, his box score is largely buoyed by a, you know, a bit of rushing production. So I don't really see him throwing for more than 235, 240 yards or something like that, but I could see like 235 one or two touchdowns and 40 yards rushing, something like that, that makes him good enough more or less. But um, yeah, I think Fields is a little rough. I I haven't really seen it from him uh, in terms of the ability to just kind of keep his head above the water all the time. Like there's just, there's these plays where things go wrong and he of course flashes really good points too. And you would expect that with experience, he'll, he'll start trending toward just the good and and work on uh, ironing out the bad, especially when he gets a better offensive line, um, but it's hard for me to, to feel much optimism for that offense until uh, a few things change, and it's, it's not really Fields' fault. It's just kind of rookies with with limited supporting casts are, are always kind of uh, in a tough spot. No, absolutely. Uh, what are you doing with Allen Robinson at this point? Uh, I'm probably keeping him active, but it's it's uh, you know a dreary kind of feeling. It's uh, I'm solemnly. Uh, keeping him in the starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's definitely something where, you know, you, you would need one of your, you know, your, your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round receiver types to have started to pop um, in order to, to really feel good about having that option to, to and the luxury uh, to bench a guy like, like Robinson, because the talent's obviously still there. It's just a question of that offense. Um, and then on the, on the Packers side of things, are we ever going to see another pass catcher other than Devonte Adams really reach that fantasy relevance? Um, it, I mean, like, is Bob Tunyon just droppable at this point? You know, like what, what's going on with the rest of these guys? Obviously, Randall Cobb uh, has shown up a, a little bit in recent weeks, but it just feels like it's Devonte is option one, one A, and two, and two A. Yeah, so part of why I'm probably going to stay away from this game in DFS is that I can imagine it being kind of ugly on both sides. Uh, the Packers offense, you, you know, on that basis alone, you would expect the Packers to win this game, cover, whatever. But I don't think they're going to be up to the, like their, their normal general standards and certainly not what we would expect of them going against the Bears at Lambeau. Um the, the, uh, the Packers offensive line being a bit beat up is a part of that. Uh, I don't know what, if Hicks and, and Mac are in, but if they are, those are the kinds of guys who can make Rodgers, uh, you know, even if the receivers are getting open, uh, Rodgers can kind of just uh, not have enough time, get get his throwing lanes disrupted, have a few things go wrong here or there, and all of a sudden, you know, two quarters have passed and you don't have any points. Like, I can imagine it being that kind of game um, and eventually taking control, but not uh, – not early enough to be what maybe the DFS investors hope for. But with that said, you know, Devontae Adams is infallible. Even in a game where the Packers do relatively poorly, he can do well for himself. Um, but I, I do think the Bears are in a position to play this kind of tough at least. Okay. And and yeah, we, we do have a relatively low 
um, total in this one to begin with. So I think that what you're implying there, Mario, definitely is backed up by what, the, what they're thinking in Vegas with, with the total checking in um, at just 44, maybe 44 and a half, depending on the book you're looking at. Uh, before we get over to the Chiefs versus the football team, a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Uh, Chiefs, football team. Are you in on the Chiefs' existential crisis uh, panic that, that is that is seemingly uh, happening after after Sunday's pretty sobering uh, loss at the hands of the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean, they're not as good as they wanted to be, but it's I think it's pretty specifically the result of the defense. Uh, I don't know what exactly is the problem. Steve Spagnuolo had them working pretty well for I want to say like a year and a half there or something, but. This year, it's just been a mess, like all the time. Everything's a mess, and uh, the run defense never had any good personnel. So the, the whole way the Chiefs worked as a defense was, you know, they score points on offense. The opponents have to abandon the run, so it doesn't matter that they have a trash run defense, and they have to throw the ball, and they have a good enough pass rush in theory, and, and the coverage takes advantage of it by forcing turnovers to get the ball back to Mahomes and so on. But the second part is definitely not happening. The, the, the defense is just a matador, and so – if Mahomes is not producing at an outrageous pace, they are liable to kind of fall apart. And I think one of their biggest mistakes was not having like basically beefier run personnel on offense, actually, because uh, I I mean, I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire enough. I wouldn't have made that pick 32nd overall. I think they should have took Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Not over Taylor or Swift or um, Taylor would have been insane in that offense. And like, even especially acres, for a probably. scenario like what's that even acres i mean obviously dobbins would have been amazing yeah. um and i like clyde Edwards hilaire enough but he's only a guy who makes sense in theory if you don't need to put it all on him like he, if he's a guy who can be kind of like your 13 14 carry five catch back that's fine but what they need is more than that they need they need a running game that takes on meaningful volume and can, can have like a real physicality element to keep to, to offset what a deficit their, their own defense is. And instead they're just in this scenario where, you know, the, it's always a track meet when their defense is on the field. And then Mahomes most of the time score evens it back up, probably gets the win for them. That's fine. But they're having moments where Mahomes is not playing at a superhuman level. And at that point, the game kind of goes wrong for them. Right. And I, I think there's also something to be said. And, and you know, but you can, 
obviously uh, toss your own two cents in on this, but it, it has always felt like that the Chiefs were able to just kind of have you beaten one way or the other just because, it, okay, you go ahead and you take away Tyreek Hill. Okay, Travis Kelsey's about to just obliterate you. Or if you try to take away Kelsey, then then Tyreek Hill beats you over the top. Uh, obviously, teams more often than not try try to endeavor to, to stop Tyreek Hill first because that you know that it's a more immediate kill shot if you let him uh, win on a given play. But it just feels like it the teams are able to to slow Tyreek a bit this year, and Kelsey isn't crushing them. And if you look at Kelsey's player page, like he's he's doing well by by every advanced metric, but it's it's not quite like the superhuman level. Uh, that we've seen in recent years. His yards per target is down about a full yard from what it was a year ago. It's hard to expect anyone to to keep that level of, of yards per target production with, with the volume he was getting. But anyway, my, my point is that the Chiefs don't have that that just complete trump card, it seems like, that this year over other teams the way that it has, has seemed, at least since 2018. Yeah, and um, this, is, this is something that was probably the case before – you know, them being totally dependent on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But A, it kind of worked, at least for a time it worked. And and B, uh, the stakes of it, uh, the, you know, the, the costs of it not working, scenarios where it doesn't work, are higher now with the defense, their own defense being so bad. So it's like maybe if you had a league average defense, you could keep getting away with it. Like your defense would get you a turnover, get you a stop where uh, you can go to Tyreek Hill a 12th time instead of, you know, the 10 times that didn't work. He's like, you just needed two more shots and they got it before, but now the defense, their defense just stays on the field. It gives up points. And like those extra two, uh, those two strikes, those two extra strikes never happen. And uh, I think what's happening is like, they're seeing so much, you know, it's so much too high, too, too high safeties to just kind of cut off the Tyreek Hill big play that they're reduced to kind of a red zone sort of defense on the field. And it, they can't win on the small field. Like they can, they can get by little bits here and there. But when the field gets small, it comes down to, like you said, those those two receivers just in the scenario of the smaller field, and they can't really make the defense pay for not taking it honestly. Like the defense isn't playing them honestly, and they can't make them pay for it. The way I think you would make them pay for it conventionally is a really uh, explosive and physical run game. So that if they want to put two safeties over the top, you say okay, we'll split those safeties uh, with, with a well-blocked, you know, run play. And uh, you'll, you'll bring one of them closer to the line of scrimmage next time you see this look, and then we'll go over the top. They can't get that to happen. It's like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can do some stuff, but he can't do enough lifting and he can't specifically thrive in that function enough to, to do what they need. Like they needed someone who can bruise, break some tackles, um, make the defense regret the fact that they keep their two safeties back all the time. Right. And, you know, now CEH being hurt, it, it's this whole other. Daryl yeah, Williams I mean, cannot run, so it's not going to get better. It's Mahomes has to do everything and he'll generally be able to. But Daryl Williams is a fullback that the Chiefs didn't take seriously the running back personnel. And now they're going to pay like you need a better backup than Daryl Williams. He's not good enough. OK, well, speaking of, of you know, paying for it one way or the other. With the football team, their defense hasn't been nearly as good as we thought it would be this year. So is, is this the week where – or I, I mean, I think there already has been the week where the Chiefs have paid for it. But um, do they get – do they have to pay the Piper this week? I mean, we're, we're looking at a total here of 56. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's implying a good amount uh, saying that the Chiefs' offense is going to continue to roll um, regardless of the CEH injury, which, you know, that's – that's fair to say, and I think also taking into account the fact that, that the football team's defense has really been uh, light years away from where it was a year ago, despite basically having the same personnel. Yeah, they were already good. The personnel improved, and they went from good to one of the very worst, and I don't know how you do it. In some sense, it seems like it, it has to give eventually, like if almost just on a kind of random basis, it's like the Washington defense has to have a decent game eventually somehow, uh, even just again, for, for no real reason, it has to happen eventually. But in this particular game, it, it's hard to imagine that being the case. Like if, if it has to happen eventually, then next week, not this week, um, the, the, the nature of their struggles specifically, like not getting to the quarterback, not being able to disrupt route runners, from their schedule and, you know, not, not being able to, to, to keep a guy on the route runners at all times. That's stuff you really don't want to be true about your team when you're going against, you know, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, 
even the secondary receivers are probably pretty dangerous for the Washington defense in this setting. So if if Tyreek or Kelsey are not 100% in this game, I could definitely see Meikle Hardman, Pringle, Josh Gordon, I guess. Uh, I don't know. There's even guys like Jody Fortson ought to be able to hurt the Washington defense the way it's playing this year. So I think the Chiefs will be all right here. And even though I think Daryl Williams is a really bad running back two, and I'm not exactly a big fan of Jarek McKinnon as a running back three, those guys should be able to run fine. Okay. All right. That that definitely all, all checks out. You know, again, Chiefs might have those long-term uh, flaws, but they, they might not necessarily be exposed um, this coming week against the football team. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, we got a message from our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. And if you want a break from sports betting, head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states as Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, all while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Rotowire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. We also get a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The new NFL season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests now being shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. You can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at the MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season, visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim those free $10 offer to get started. Again, that is sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10. All right, Mario, on to the next one. We got Rams, Giants. This one also drawing a fair amount of interest in survivor pools this week. The Rams. Traveling across the country, it is a body clock game with, with it being, you know, a, a one o'clock local start up at the Meadowlands. But the Giants are just woefully, woefully banged up right now. So the Rams coming off of, of the long wait, um, having played just last Thursday, it does feel like it, it makes sense that they are as heavily favored as they are going into this contest. Yeah, there's. Plenty of good players on this Giants team, and uh, surprisingly, or at least to me, surprisingly, Daniel Jones had been among that group. Uh, this concussion, Andrew Thomas's foot, Kenny Galladay being hurt, Barkley being hurt—that's a lot to. Uh, that's a lot of complication just hurled at them at once. So, like you're like you're saying that plus the the long rest for the Rams, it's it's kind of conventionally easy to see why this is such a bad spot for them. They might get back Shepard and Slayton, though. So those two combined with Tony, I don't know. It, I don't know what to make of the Tony thing. I mean, he's yeah. Do you think he, he, gets he looked good last? House. Yeah, I mean, he looked he looked good last week, of course. But I I just wonder, like, what what did he show that people didn't already know about him? Like, I thought uh, even his critics would have conceded, like, yeah, he's he's a really crazy juker. He's a uh, he does that thing. Um, is it Anderson Silva who had that one? like meme clip uh, where he's like dodging the punches for 15 minutes and ends up just like rolling away on the ground. Kind of just that, that's how Tony is when he, when he's like running routes or when he has the ball, he just kind of just keeps 
juking and sometimes he goes someplace, sometimes he doesn't, but um, it's the only means by which he, he really creates the separation on the field. And, and it's not in the form of like, you know, technical route running stuff like that. So um, I do worry about that one trick losing some of his effectiveness, but if he can get down kind of like the basic wide receiver, you know, the, not just, I'm not even one of these guys who's like, you got to practice. Well, I kind of, I kind of hate coaches who talk about that, but if, if he can take seriously the, the technical aspects of wide receiver play, then yeah, he's definitely the kind of athlete who can thrive. Um, I just don't know if I can say the, and he's going to get targets faster than Sterling Shepard because Shepard's really good. Yeah. Shepard's been having a good season. So, um, you know, I, I think just maybe maybe by virtue of all the injuries that the Giants uh, have right now in, in the receiver room that Tony, even if Joe Judge really wants to put him in the doghouse and it, after last week because of the, the KZ thing, um, he just won't have that ability to do so. And, it, he'll, you know, the, I think we're starting to see where the cat's out of the bag for Tony. Like, you, you know, obviously he had the, the very – a lot of people drawing a lot of headlines from Tony that this uh, this training camp with how slowly he was progressing and everything. But I think that, you know, rubber met the road over the over these last couple of weeks. We're starting to see Tony actually come on. And uh, I I don't know if, if the Giants can really afford to, to take him out of this offense. But then again, uh, Mike Glennon can, can take the offense just down to the basement anyway. Brutal. Yeah, yeah. So on the other side, like the, the Giants defense has some good guys. I, I don't know. I don't really expect them to fall apart exactly. But it, the, the rest issue, the, the, if their if their offense is kind of leaving them in bad spots, you can kind of imagine them getting chipped away just with, you know, pretty much all the Rams biggest names taking a, a shot here and there. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, the Rams really are one, one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, so I, I think that they're going to be able to go into into the Meadowlands and get this one uh, relatively easily on Sunday and, and doubly so, again, if, if it's not Daniel Jones back there at quarterback for the G-Men. Let's go on to, to uh, one of the more interesting games of this week. We got Chargers going east to face the Ravens, both these teams coming off of exciting victories. Um, a week ago, the Chargers obviously going punch for punch with the Browns. That game was absolutely insane. Really one of the, the best regular season games I think I've ever seen. And then the Ravens game, uh, obviously biased here, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed that one as well. Ravens two and a half point or maybe three point favorites, depending on the book. Where are you with this one? I, I'm obviously a big Lamar fan and I want to see him do well. But I don't really understand. Uh, well, I guess I guess the home field is the only reason the spread is, and in some places we're down to two and a half. So I guess the books are, in some cases, kind of leaning toward the Chargers. But I, I think they're correct to do so because a shorter week for the Ravens and an exhausting game that they're they're trying to bounce back from. Moreover, dealing with dealing with the Chargers, even in Baltimore, it's like I, I just worry about categorically a team coming off uh, as exhausting of a game they just barely won like the Ravens did uh, going against a team as good as the Chargers. And I, I do worry a little bit about the Chargers defensive scheme causing some tro- uh, trouble for Lamar Jackson, namely that um, you can, you can kind of just, if you just keep a safety to spam the, the, the route breaking points for Marquise Brown and Mark, uh, Mark Andrews, you can kind of throw Lamar off. And if, if the line, if the pass rush is containing him effectively and doesn't give him the, the way to run away, he can get flustered and the Chargers are a good def- or you know, a well uh, coached defense. So it would be kind of surprising if Greg Roman out uh, thought Brandon Staley, I don't really think it's possible. So in a game like this and the way that the Chargers manage their defense, generally the too high thing, I think you need a running game, like a, a running back uh, running game that can kind of hammer the Chargers until they maybe move their safeties around a little bit. Just and then like, kinda- like last week, like the Browns were able to do it. That was like the perfect storm really. Yeah, and I, I, you know, Latavius is okay, I guess. He's, he's not like a bum exactly, but I, I think you needed a, a J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards backfield specifically for a game like this because Gus Edwards can be that hammer that makes the safety, make, makes the defense say like, oh, we got to pull up one of the safeties. Uh, you know, we're going to go more like one high or, or, you know, 
a robber with the strong safety, keep him in the middle of the field, keep him a little lower. And then when you start doing that, then as a defense, you need to guess right as to which uh, the safety needs to guess right as to which of, you know, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews he should go after. And if he guesses wrong, it could be a big play. In this case, it's like Lamar just has to be the hero and he, he needs to do heroic things as a runner. I'm thinking especially, and he could do it, but it's it's tougher for him to do what he needs to in this game than Herbert on the other side. And, and part of that is the Ravens' defense just isn't good right now. I don't know what it does well other than, a, you know, Calais Campbell blocking field goals basically is the, the one cool thing they can do right now. It, it, it's pretty cool, but um, you, you can't. It is really through. cool, and it was awesome <laughs> in that game specifically, but it's like they need they need to understand it's like, yeah, that's your – that's your cool tricks for the month allotment right there. You're, you're back to your usual crap selves now. Just re- reminded me of, of the other Monday night game six years ago, Ravens in Baltimore or in Cleveland. I think Brent Urban put his big mid up and blocked a, blocked a game-winning <laughs> field goal for the Browns, and Will Hill ran it back for a touchdown. Uh, a bit of a Ravens lore uh, throwback there. Um, your thoughts on, on Mike Williams' ascent into stardom this year um i think he's definitely doing well and in in hindsight the the chargers shouldn't have used him so exclusively far downfield as they used to they should have gotten more mid-range and even underneath routes for him i do think he's in something of a best case scenario right now just because what he's doing is is largely in a context of defenses coming into this year you know looking at tape in the offseason looking at uh, you know, past usage patterns with this team and, and going into the week thinking we've got to deal with Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. And Mike Williams was a player they probably took seriously, but they didn't go into the week thinking like, we got to stop Mike Williams. We got to, we got to stop the guy who had two touchdowns last year on 48 catches. Like that's, that's not really what they came into this year believing now or soon. Anyway, they're going to start thinking that way. Maybe Williams just keeps trucking ahead. It's, it's possible, especially when, uh, you know, Williams is good for his own part, but also Herbert, as good as he is, that 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 can do a lot to to stave off regression. But Keenan Allen, if he starts getting defended less, can definitely do more. And I guess Eckler's kind of maxed out, so you don't really see him taking away from Williams's share so much. Jalen Guyton seems like he's just a decoy, uh, which is mm-hmm. fine. So uh, if Herbert keeps playing at a certain level, I do think Allen can do more, but only so much more. And I don't think anyone else can take away from Williams's share. Okay. And then uh, just kind of bottom line, as far as uh, this game is concerned, but I think I'm getting the sense from you, but I think the chargers go ahead and, and get the win outright. I would say so. And on a week where that chiefs Washington game is going to be very chalky in DFS for totally understandable reasons that I also subscribe to this game, uh, the Chargers' offense is something that I, especially feel the need to to think about. And I don't know how much I, sh- I I'm kind of almost worried that I'm going to jinx Lamar by going with him, but it is a scenario where he could, I mean, if he has to play hero ball, sometimes he's, he does it pretty well. And so far this year, he's basically been Louisville Lamar Jackson. Yes. Yeah. It's been crazy. Like it obviously 2019 was uh, over the, over the course of pretty the good, season, pretty crazy, good. But, yeah. But the, the signs this year, especially with him just like breaking his own passing records almost seemingly every week and just continuing to look better, like Marquise Brown, I think, looking more like an actual NFL receiver. Uh, Mark Andrews obviously breaking, you know, not breaking out last week, but, but you know, looking like Mark Andrews a week ago. That was huge. We'll have to see what happens when Rashad Bateman comes back. Um, it, and, you know, we'll have to also see what, what's up with, with Sammy Watkins because he was drawing seven targets a game. Uh, going into last week, but you know, got got injured, missed the second half. So we'll see what's up there. But uh, really excited for for that game. I think it's one of the best ones on the slate this week, just from competitive football sense. Uh, before we get on to our next game, we got our last ad, our message from our guys over at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guarantee contests each week this NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim that free RotoWire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive, deposit a minimum of $10, and receive a 100% 
deposit bonus up to $100, and then play in your first paid contest and receive a free Rotowire subscription for six months. So again, Thrive Fantasy and go to rotowire.com slash thrive. All right, Mario, we got a handful of games to, to quickly touch on before we scoot here. We got Vikings, Panthers, but Panthers, one and a half point underdogs at home. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the the Panthers defense is good. And I do worry about Kirk Cousins going against that defense. If if Brian Burns, if if Reddick get going, you can imagine Kirk kind of having one of his less impressive days and then in that scenario, if the run game doesn't pick up all that slack, the Vikings can get a little sluggish all of a sudden. But the Panthers' offense, I don't know if, if, if they get McCaffrey, if that changes any of this, but right now it's its not very good. And Sam Darnold, I think last week, kind of really hammered it home. He wasn't really playing that well in the first month as much as he was sort of sneaking by. And he, he could still get it going a little bit better. I mean, it, it is still relatively early in the scheme that he's working with, with Joe Brady, but if he can't find something new, if there isn't another pitch that he has uh, after that, what he showed in that first month, then they're in a lot of trouble on offense and against, you know, the, not that the Vikings secondary is scary. It's definitely not uh, DJ Moore should be able to get open against Patrick Peterson. And especially if, if I don't even know if Breland's still playing, but if Breland's out there, he can't cover anyone. So DJ Moore can definitely get open, but if Darnold can't play better and if he's going to be flustered by the offensive line not playing very well, that's a problem against the Vikings and the kind of problem that can negate the advantage that that DJ Moore would have over these corners. Because if Daniil Hunter is going beast mode on you, your whole day can just be ruined. And uh, Everson Griffin was getting going a bit. Uh, DJ Wanham's been in on a little bit this year. They got three good defensive tackles. This could be a really tough spot for the Carolina offensive line. And Darnold, you know, maybe he gets a little better, but he needs to get a lot better just to kind of tread water if, if the Vikings pass rush shows up the way it has most of this year. Interesting. Yeah, that's just not a game that um, that I would have thought that the Vikings would, would have been a, a road uh, favorite for. But I, I guess the Panthers have come down to earth pretty convincingly over the last couple of weeks. So they, they, they do have some things uh, to work on. Your, your, uh, your Panthers Super Bowl bets that, that you placed after week three, uh, maybe not looking so great. Uh, not yours specifically, but um, any of let's move on. We got Cardinals, Browns, Browns, three point favorites against the Cardinals. A couple of OU Heisman winners going up against each other, obviously Kyler and Baker. So that's a fun little storyline we got going on here. Um, the, the Browns huge offensive output last week, especially after being completely, you know, stuck in the mud against the Vikings uh, the week prior um, what are your thoughts on, on this particular matchup? And, and, you know, especially also considering that the Browns gave up a lot what, last week, more than they really uh, had defensively th- to this point this year. Yeah, uh, I think the Browns defense is still pretty good. And last week was just kind of the result of what happens when someone tries to go toe to toe with Justin Herbert that he just won and they still are pretty good defense probably, but not good enough to to trump a player like him, I definitely consider Kyler Murray pretty close. And I, I, before this year, I would have said Kyler Murray's better than Justin Herbert. Not that I was low on Herbert. I was definitely high on Herbert after last year, but uh, now maybe this is an overreaction to one month, especially given that Kyler's been awesome too, Uh, but Herbert just looks insane. And I don't know if it's fair to expect uh, Kyler to be quite so dominant um, you know, this is this is a defense that'll probably play better than it did last week. And Kyler can play great, still maybe get slowed down a little bit by the Browns if they're playing at the level they, they can. But I still like the Cardinals a lot more as a team. I I just uh, I, I think both of these coaches are overrated. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's doing anything good this year. It's just when you have a sick defense and when you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray, it's kind of hard to fail. And Kyler Murray's just making these insane shots this year that you, you cannot defend. So if he's playing like that, I don't think the Browns can do anything with a quarterback like Baker Mayfield. And if Baker Mayfield feels even a little pressure in this game, Cleveland's in big trouble because he's not good. No, he he's really 
No, he's he's not quite in that in that same class as Kyler. Uh, I guess my my one thing to keep an eye for is, is you know Kyler had his right shoulder looked at a bunch oh, yeah. during the second half last week, and on that play that that kind of sealed the game for the Cardinals, it was kind of a balloon from him. So I'm I'm worried about, and we saw that kind of derail yeah. his season last year. So something to just keep an eye. I really I think spiritually we all need to see like a fully healthy Kyler Murray season because what, what he showed uh, in September, what was MVP level stuff. Um, and, and even last week playing at less than, than hundred percent impressive from him. So hopefully that shoulder uh, is good and holds up. All right, let's get to just uh, two more quick games, just a quick synopsis on each Mario, if you will. Uh, Raiders Broncos,